Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Has he watched over your life? Has he taken care of your needs? Has he healed your illnesses? Has he provided? Has he sheltered? You have somewhere to lay your head tonight? You have a roof over your head? At least it was there when you left. Hey, if it's not there, you could look at the stars, you know. It'd be pretty wonderful. In all things, we can find things to be grateful for because God is so faithful. Is he faithful? Uh, I'm going to have to cut down a street light in my neighborhood because one of them's flirting with my wife, you know. She comes out and he goes, woo, woo. Uh, I'm not competing with a street lamp, I'll tell you. Have a seat, have a seat. We're in the Bible tonight in the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 5. The one question, uh, you know, uh, Pastor uh, has been gracious enough to allow me to speak while he's doing the new members class, and that gives me five weeks of uh, preachifying, you know, and I love it, I love it. It's a wonderful thing, and you have to endure it unless you're in the new members class. Now, if people go in the new members class more than once, I'm going to be concerned. But uh, as long as the new members keep coming out, I'll be okay, you know. I, I don't want, you know, my ego's fragile. It's just like anybody else, I suppose. We're, we're in a familiar story, maybe even a story that we've heard here at church. But uh, before Pastor even talked to me, and he talked to me a month ago and said he's thinking about putting together a class, he hadn't even put a list out yet or anything. God had already started on me about this one question. And uh, I want you to uh, realize if, if God wants, we're going to sit in this the whole time that I'm speaking. We'll just go to different parts of the Bible and talk about it. But I really believe that God has a question. But the interesting thing, the one question, the reason it's worded that way is this is a question that's being asked by both. God is asking, but so is the devil. And they're both asking this one question. They're both asking this question. So I want you to to realize something. In the next five or six weeks, while we're examining this and looking in the Bible, God wants to stir something deep inside of you because it's kind of like this. Sometimes in life, even when things are going really well at church, we're looking this way, and God will take that enormous hand and just go over there. I want you to look at this. I know that's good, but this is also needing attention. And, and so God wants you to hear this one question. So let's turn to 2 Kings Second Kings chapter 5, Second Kings chapter 5, where, you know, when I uh, started kind of chewing on this bone and, and preparing and thinking about this, it just seemed like the Bible opened from cover to cover, and I could see this question all through the Bible. All of a sudden, I thought, wow, the, you know, when you get older and you've been speaking for a while, and I've been speaking for a while, it, there are times when you just step back and say, God, Show me what I'm missing. Show me something different. Show me something new. What I love about our pastor and our home group has talked about the fact that even though many of us have been in church for decades, you know, uh, he still makes it fresh. You know, it's like 
The Bible says his mercy's new every morning. And we talk about the, the Bible as the bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Of course, in the beginning was the word, and the word's with God, and the word was God. So the Lord is our bread, and he brings out a fresh loaf. You know, um, has anybody here ever heard of Heidi Baker, missionary to Africa, and uh, her and her husband? They've done a great work over there. And uh, Heidi, I saw her on stage one time. And she knelt down on the floor, tears in her eyes, and she said, you know, even the poor don't like stale bread. And I'm going to tell you, church, there's nobody that likes stale bread. And what I love is when pastor opens his Bible, it's just like an oven opened, and you can smell the fresh bread coming out. And all of a sudden, you realize that I may have been reading the Bible for 50 years, but I'm going to hear something from a perspective that he got from heaven, and it's going to be new, and it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be buttery, and it's going to be steaming hot, and it's going to have, you know, those pull-apart yeast rolls. And, and all of a sudden, I'm uh, thinking about something else. But anyway, I just want to – I started salivating. i got to quit that. But anyway, uh, we're going to get to this question. So the king of Aram – had great admiration for Nahum. Naaman, Naaman, not Nahum, Naaman. So the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman. Now, first, first, okay, what an honor for anybody to admire us. Don't you like being admired? Uh, you know, for whatever. Isn't it great to be admired? You know, when I reach the top shelf and Connie says, I admire your ability to get that off the top, I just feel, you know, well, yeah, you know, stand up a little straighter, walk a little taller. Imagine a king admiring you. Admiration. Think about it as admiration. A king admiring you. What would that do to you if a king, let's say, let's say, uh, Let's pick a president that you like, whichever one. And the president calls and says, I admire you. It doesn't matter who it is. That would affect you, wouldn't it? If Pastor Matt called the phone, picked up the phone and called you tomorrow and said, I've, I've been watching your walk with the Lord. I just want you to know I admire you. My admiration is so great, I'm going to give you an opportunity here to do this or that, whatever it may be. It, we want the admiration of our spouse. As a matter of fact, women are nesters. They want security. That's what women want. So, men, if you haven't figured it out, they want security. Men want respect. Men want respect. And that's what men really want. They want respect. The difference between men and women is women want security. Men want respect. Uh, you you want to undermine your marriage you disrespect your husband but if you admire your husband he will do amazing things he'll take his dirty mug to the kitchen and put it in the sink for you he might pick his socks up off the floor and get them in the basket you know the main well I don't want to corrupt anybody's home now I don't want to upset the, the balance of power but, but here's the thing Admiration changes us. 
we may think we're good or bad, and in most cases, our thoughts of ourselves are not usually inflated, but deflated. So we often need somebody to point out that we actually did something right. Anybody can point out what we do wrong. Everybody sees the negative. Sometimes it takes somebody special to see the good in our life. So first of all, in this, uh, in this passage, I want you to see that the king of Aram admired Naaman, admired him, okay? So the king of Aram had great admiration, and it wasn't just admiration, it was great admiration. That's something to have a potentate who's always being told how important he is to say how important you are. You know, if you, you, you have to understand the story of Esther. When she went into the presence of the king without being called in, he had to extend his temper. Right? He had to extend his temper. So you understand that you're always building the king up. Matter of fact, that was the whole point of jesters. You know, now we call them comedians. But the whole point of jesters were to give the bad news to the king with a yeah, yeah, yeah. So that the king could have the blow softened. Your navy sank, your army lost, we belong to somebody else now. Yeah, yeah, you know. And so the whole point was you didn't rain on the king's parade or you lose your head. I don't imagine a lot of people signed up for a gesture when it was the one ad in the paper. You know, it's like, it takes a special person to run the risk. But you got to have the audience of a king. We have the ear of a king. And the king loves us dearly. Great admiration. Wouldn't it be wonderful to hear Jesus whisper in your ear, I have great admiration for you. I want you through this study to Get in the skin of the people involved. It's not like a king to flatter others. It's like a king to say more. Give me more. I'm the potentate. I'm the big wheel. I'm the guy. You know, when Herod the Great was uh, king in Israel during the time of Christ, his security wasn't pointed out against threats from without. His security was pointed in at threats from within. So that means that in many cases, a king is paranoid. A king doesn't feel secure. A king knows that one spear to the back, one knife when I'm not looking, one bit of poison to get past my taster, and I'm done. I mean, that's why there was a taster like Nehemiah, was because the king had to protect himself. So just understand, people are always pouring flattery on a king. But here's a king pouring praise on one of his people. Now, you may know a flatterer. Let me tell you about flattery. It's always manipulative. It's one thing to have admiration, you know, for a talent or a skill. The man who made this pulpit, I admire him. It's a beautiful pulpit. It doesn't look real complicated, but it's well executed, and I love it. I think any preacher would be at home with this slab of wood standing here. It's the right height. It's done well. I like it. I love the way the, the front looks. Since we changed it to the wood, I think the natural look is wonderful. It took somebody with skill in carpentry to get the angle right and to trim it out right and, and make it look as well done as it does. It's beautiful. I love that screen. Somebody had to create that technology. I admire somebody that has that kind of skill. 
I'm always grateful when the nail in the wall still supports the picture that I hung on it. I think that's an amazing... That's when I step back and say, Tim, I admire you. You did a good job. I, I fixed a leg on a... I fixed a leg on a, a jewelry box. My wife has a jewelry box that stands about that tall, and I fixed a leg. It's a poor design, and they do a lousy job putting them together. They're built in a hurry, and they're not built with any particular quality. And uh, so I put it back together, and I realized that I had to put a pad under the opposing legs so that it wouldn't rock. And I had to put a lot of screws in it, and I penetrated one of the, the trim pieces, and I said, I was pretty rough on it. And she said, yeah, I know. I'll, I'll probably give it to our granddaughter someday. <laughs> I, don't think that was, I don't think that was an expression of admiration. You know, I was hoping for something a little more elevated than that, but I guess my apology was good enough to get me by, you know. So Naaman was the commander of his army. So this is not just a foot soldier he admires. This is a man that's been promoted. This is a man that's earned a place of leadership. This is a man that's in charge. This is a man that's over all his armies. And it's not just that he's a commander. He's the commander. He's this man's Patton. He's this man's Eisenhower. You know, he's this man's MacArthur. He's somebody special. Somebody that he's seen his exploits. He's seen what he can do with the men. He's seen what he can do when opposing an enemy. And he admires him. He's not just flattering him so he'll go do some more fighting. He admires what he did. He's, he's protected the kingdom, and he admires him. So here's the commander of the army, and he's being admired by the king. Because through him, talking about the commander of his army, Naaman, the Lord had given Aram great victories. Through Naaman, the Lord had given Aram great victories. So this says several things. Let's look at these several things. He's admired by the king. He has skill. We need to uh, encourage people that have skill. You know, don't criticize them. Encourage them. Cultivate their skill. Encourage them. Give them honor where honor is due. But the third thing here in this passage, look at this. He says he has favor. We have favor. We don't exploit it enough. And I don't mean exploiting God is the way to put it, but God has given us authority. And we limp around like we're not sure we're going to make it to the next paycheck. God's given us favor for victory. God's given us favor for success. God's given us favor. You know, if you look at this from the Lord's perspective, the Lord has given us favor. And he's got to wonder, why do you live so far beneath your privilege? Why are you living uh, in disappointment, discouragement, frustration? Christian, do you see God's favor in your life? Have you received it or do you feel unworthy of it? Sometimes we just feel too unworthy. It's like, oh, Oh, I'm just not worthy of the buffet. I think I'll have a saltine and sit back. <laughs> but though Naaman was a mighty warrior, though Naaman was a mighty warrior, and you know, it's interesting. Uh, I used to hear a lot of 
preachers talk about how that the great healing evangelist had Coke bottle glasses, you know, or had a health issue that they were worrying with. God has a way of keeping us in that place of usefulness. God understands us. Well, if, if, if God owns everything and the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, how come he can't just give us a fatter check in account? Well, it could be because you couldn't handle a fatter check in account. I want God to bless me as much as he possibly can, but I don't want him to bless me in a way where I'll forget who he is, where I'll run off the rails or self-destruct. You know, we, we've got people in recovery here. If you were given a million dollars, are you sure you would come out of it okay? You might not. Does God understand us? Does God know deep down where our roots lie? Does God know what we're made of? He's the one that breathed into our nostrils and made us a living soul. I've met millionaires, and you know what? They're not any more special than you are. You, so many times we think that money's the thing that makes us. You know, somebody will come in, and they'll hold their head up and their shoulders back. You'll, think, you'll see how nicely dressed they are. And the Bible warns us, don't judge them by that. That's not a measure of their character. That's just, they got a few more dollars to rub together. Big deal. But don't, don't celebrate your poverty either. I'm just a poor little soul following after Jesus. Help me, Lord. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Quit crying about it and start asking. Start asking. You have favor. God will give you victory. So, the king admired this man. This man is the commander of the entire army of this nation. This man has gotten great victories for the king through the favor of the Lord. This is not a Jew. But through the favor of the Lord, he's acquired great victory. It says right there. It doesn't say through Baal. It doesn't say through some other god. It says through the Lord he's achieved great victory. But he has a problem. He suffered from leprosy. You know what leprosy is? It's a disease of the nerve you can't feel. You know your feet, you shift all the time because you can feel that you've been on one foot too long in a certain position and you'll shift. You know, you're not even sensing it. You just do it. And you can tell how hard you're touching Something by the nerves in your fingertips. A missionary encountered somebody with leprosy in India, and he had a big smile on his face, and he was a joyful youth, but he had leprosy. The, the flesh was just falling off the bones, and, and he was willing to look past the leprosy and shake his hand, and he shook his hand, and he couldn't believe the grip he had. It was huge. And he finally had to tell him, son, let me go. Because he was crushing his hand, he couldn't feel how much pressure he was applying. Well, all this causes all kinds of ulcerations and problems with the body. So here's Naaman hiding something. Are you hiding anything? I believe the king knew. But he was so good, the king was willing to overlook it. And the guy probably wore his armor a lot and wore gloves and had turtlenecks and kept his helmet on. You know, he was hiding something. 
Sometimes, you know, we come into God's house feeling like a hypocrite because we know who we are. Well, you're not worthy anyway. You're not going to earn or deserve heaven, so let's move past that. It's so important that we recognize I do not get to heaven because it's earned or deserved. We struggle with that. Christians that have been Christians for 40 years still believe that if I just go to church enough, read enough chapters, give my tithes, somehow that's going to help me get into heaven. No, you're getting into heaven because Jesus Christ shed his blood for you. And you said, God, forgive me. And he did. When I was a counselor in recovery, you know, the hardest thing was not people forgiving other people. It wasn't even people believing that God could forgive them. It was forgiving themselves. God wants you to forgive yourself. You have favor. The Bible says you can call God daddy. Imagine that. There was a time in the Old Testament when they wouldn't say the name of God because it's too holy to be on my pitiful lips. So you didn't say Yahweh, Jehovah. You didn't say El Shaddai. You didn't, you didn't say it. No, 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 no. You, know, you would talk about the one who is. You know, I, I serve the one who is. Well, I serve I am that I am. The great I am is who I serve. I have favor. I can go in and call him dad. Do you call him dad? I, I love when you watch the, uh, the shack. And I hope you've watched it. It's a good movie. People may, uh, may have lost me right there. But my, my daughter, who suffered from the consequences of my divorce from my first wife, forgave God over that movie. You got anything bad to say about that movie? That's your problem. But in the movie, the guy calls him, the daughter that was lost called him Papa God. Well, he is Papa. You have favor. God is not rejecting you. But if you believe he's rejecting you, you may very well be rejecting him. So the question is, what's your relationship with God like? We're in this flow of God and what's God saying? Look for ways to be even closer so that you can have more of what I'm about to do. The problem is we don't want to look closer. We just want to ride it out. Don't ride it out. Get up on that board and surf with God. Go with the flow of what God's intending to do. We're not waiting for revival. We're in revival. You know, I've heard that all my life. We're praying for revival. Well, it's here, brother. Celebrate, not just become revived, but what happens when the wattage goes up on our light, then the world is awakened. When the wattage goes up on who we are through revival, when we're renewed, refreshed, restored, then the world sees the light of Christ in us. And that's when an awakening ripples across this city and this state and this nation. So here's a man that commands other men. You ever been in a position of being over other people? Have you ever had these words cross your lips? Do you know who you're talking to? (laughs) 
in most cases, it's like, yeah, I just figured it out, but you know. <laughs> At this time, Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Have you ever gotten a word from the wrong source? I don't want to listen to that. That's not anybody important. They're not worthy of my time. They're not worthy of my energy. Why would God use that source for me? Wow! Have you ever discounted something because of how it came to you? It may be that God comes to you in a way that you don't expect so that you can see that it was Him doing the coming. God knows how to speak to us and prepare us, but do we know how to listen and hear? Do we know how to listen and hear? It's important because sometimes we just look at the source and think, ah, whatever. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying gifts of 750 pounds of silver. Does anybody know what the spot price is on silver? we have anybody that follows that? Is it about 20? Let's say it's 20 an ounce. There's how many ounces in metal? It's not a 16 ounce, is it? Is it? So 16 ounces times 20, what does that come to? 200, 26 is 120, about 320, is that right? About 320? And then how many pounds has he got? 750 pounds times 320, what does that leave us with? 240,000. So just in silver, he's carrying a quarter of a million dollars. All right, now listen, quarter of a million dollars. Quarter. Somebody, UPS me that much silver tomorrow. That'd be great. That'd be great. I'll I'll sign for it. So you know that I got it. That was just the silver, 150 pounds of gold. Anybody know the spot price on gold right now? 18? So 1,800, and then there's 16 ounces. 1,800 times 16, what do we got? 28,800. Now multiply that by 150. 4.3 million. So it's about 4.5 million with the silver. You know, the pesky little silver he brought. 4.5 Four and a half million dollars. Imagine the favor that the king has for this man that the king sent. Four and a half million out of the treasury and says, whatever it takes, go get it. Whatever it takes. Do you understand? You have a king that says, whatever it takes, go get it. Whatever it takes. Whatever. Do you have a God with that kind of favor for you? I do. I do. We've got to start speaking it and quit milly-mouthing. This, this little shadowy Christian thing where we kind of mope around, I love Jesus. 
I can see you're having fun, but I love Jesus. I can't play. <laughs> what? Quit it. Quit it. I love Jesus. So I got to have a sour look. God's been good to me. <laughs> I love Jesus. Oh, that's all right. I can't go with you. You're having fun. <laughs> what? Demas Shikarian, the founder of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Organization, wrote a book, The Happiest People on Earth. When they talk about Christians, they need to say, those are the happiest people on earth. The devil has tried to steal it and make an amusement park the happiest place on earth, but it's not run by Christians, folks, and they're not the happiest people on earth. We are. We've got to get in here what's going on up there. We've got to get in here what God believes about us. 4.5 million. Million. He says, go get it. Go get it. Go get it! So he runs over there, and he's got his donkeys and his servants, and, and he's got all this gold. He's even got 10 sets of Armani suits. When I was a young preacher... Before I went to my first church, a couple that had some means in the church took me to the mall, and we shopped all over uh, looking for a suit so the preacher can have one nice suit at least, right? And they bought me a YSL, YSL suit, three-piece. Back then, we did wear vests, and it was fitted, so it's kind of high in the armpits. It's easier to hold your Bible up here, you know, or something. <laughs> It was a very, I was thin. I was only 165 pounds, so it was form-fitting, and it was beautiful. And when I wore it, I'd put my hand in my pocket. You know how you bring up the tail of your suit? And I'd put my hand in my pocket. And they thought it was hilarious because every time I tried in a suit, I'd get in front of the mirror, and I'd put a hand in my pocket. <laughs> I almost got hired by YSL to be their model. You know, that's the move right there, yeah. They aren't looking anymore, and I don't wear suits. But anyway, so he brought 10 suits. He brought a letter to the king of Israel. With this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. You got 4.3, 4.55 million hanging on the donkey out there. And a letter is presented. Walks into the White House. Heal my guy. Well, what do you think? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'll get right on that. What? Understand, see, here's the thing. In the ancient times, lepers were the outcasts. The fact that this guy was a commander of the army and he was still allowed to perform his job was amazing. And it shows how much the king really did admire him. And so here he is presenting a letter to the king. Helium. You know, there are people that believe that money will buy anything, right? What do you find out? It really can't. It doesn't say I can do all things through Benjamins who provide for me. It's not in the Bible that way. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It does not say I can do all things through crypto when I time it correctly, you know. You got to time that one. When the king read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God? That I can give life and take it away? Why is this man coming to me to heal somebody with leprosy? I can see he's trying to pick a fight with me. Now, if you're the king of Israel, I'm sure you feel that way, right? Wouldn't you? You ask the impossible. How am I going to do the impossible? I don't care how much money you brought. I don't know. And he's probably heard about all the victories this guy's gotten. You know, this is like... This man's Patton, you know, this guy, when he gets on his saddle and gets going, he wins, wins, wins. And so he's, he's one of these foes that you don't want to ruffle their feathers, you know. But when Elisha, the man of God, I love this part. Do you think Elisha had an identity problem? I believe he knew who he was, don't you? You know, the one who passed the mantle, he had a moment of doubt. You know, there was a moment when the queen said, if the sun sets tomorrow, may it be the same to me as these guys if I don't take you out. And he ran. He had just taken out the prophets of Baal. He had just called down fire from heaven. And when this Jezebel said, I'm going to get you, he ran. He ran. He ran. That's... For women, that means men are scared of you. But anyway. Is Connie looking at me? I'm worried. Is she looking? She, she's laughing, right? Is she okay? Okay, good. Hi. hi, hi. I'm not scared of you. What? I know you're not Jezebel, but you, you, still, you still scare me. In a godly way, you're like, you're like godly scary. You're not demon scary. You're godly scary. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. I love this guy. And I'm going to show you why. He is so comfortable in his own skin he says, Gaze, I take him this note. Uh, we're talking about the head of the country. We're talking about the king. We're talking about the big wheel. We're talking about, will you even be able to get in? He just says, send him a note. Just send him a note. Here, here's a post-it. Oh. You know, you get something from the White House. It's probably engraved, and it's got one of them little waxy things on the back where they stamped it, you know. It's all special. He probably scribbled a note on a post-it. Here, take it to him. Might even been sticky side up, and the king went, what's this? Come on. When Elisha heard, he sent this message. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me. He will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. Are you the real deal? 
Elisha knew who he was. Ever since Elijah bumped into him, he just bumped into him. Now, he understood who Elijah was. But when Elijah bumped into Elisha, he moved on him. He took his livelihood and he burned all the the yoke of oxen and he barbecued all the oxen themselves and he had a party and he said, I won't be back, folks. He sunk the boat. Why did he sink the boat? I don't need what I had because I'm getting what I'm going to have. Do you know what you're even going to get? Oh, I can't wait. You ever been under the tree shaking? Open your Bible. It's full of God's promises. And they're yes and amen. They're yes and amen. They're yes and amen. God's not saying, well, I would do that for Connie, but that Tim, I don't know. I don't know. I saw him eat too many calories today. I'm just not. Connie's more on her game. Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. No doubt he came up, you know. Then he had one of those horns, you know. Probably had a bugler. He's here, the great commander of the forces of Aram. So Elisha got out his post-its, and he wrote a little note. Here, Gehazi, take it out to him. Do you ever feel important? Maybe on your job you have some responsibility where there are people under you. Maybe there's times when you feel like you've elevated through seniority or your skill set or whatever. Well, Naaman's out there wrapped up tight so nobody can see that he's a leper. And he, uh, he receives a note. The messenger went out to him with a message, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Imagine going to your doctor's office and the nurse runs out, you roll down your window, and she gives you a post-it and says, go down here to the Cato, dip seven times, you'll be fine. What? I was expecting something at the pharmacy at Walmart. Just go dip, you'll be fine. Don't go to the Hamilton Lake, go go down there to the Cato, take the drive, enjoy the view, go dip in the river, and, and you'll be fine. It doesn't sound complicated, does it? This is a man that's had to plan strategy. This is a man that's had to array people so that he could, you know, have people that, that would come in from the left and the right and straight ahead. And he had, he had to put his best soldiers where his best soldiers need to be. He had to use strategy to outfox his enemy. He had to flank them. He had to plan it out. He had to use his weapons in the best advantage for the best purpose. He, this is Naaman, man. He is the man. Guy comes out and gives him a sticky post-it. Go dip in the river. What? Listen to what he says. Listen to what Naaman says. So it says, go wash in the river and you'll be restored. But Naaman became angry. Have you ever become angry? Nobody here has ever been angry, right? We're too holy for that. We're in the wave. We're, we don't get angry. 
We don't get angry. I still remember the night that uh, Connie had already gone to bed. And I, I, unrolled a, I unrolled a barbecue bag that just had enough chips in there to be crumbs, you know. I probably could have cut it off with scissors and just tilted it up and swallowed the crumbs, you know. But I was down in it, rustling around in there, trying to get enough to eat. And here comes Connie around the corner, her hair going seven directions. And she's got her, got her robe wrapped around with her arms folded, and she says, What do you think you're doing? And I got crumbs all over my face. And so what's the answer? I don't know. What am I doing? You don't need to eat at 11.30 at night. Oh, I was hungry. Is she still looking at me? I think I could knock the pulpit over and stop her. I'll stay over here. He gets angry. Angry. Can you imagine somebody say, you want to be healed of cancer? Go drink out of the fountain in the hallway. I want to be anointed and prayed over. What do you think you're doing? I want it in a certain way. Do we put God in a box and say, God, you can only come to me this way? Last time he came that way, but if you look at the miracles in the New Testament, Jesus doesn't do the same thing twice. One time he spits. How'd you like that? Oh, you want to be healed of your blindness? (sighs) Oh, wait, I got to mix that with some dirt. Here, there you go. Go wash your eyes. What? What? Is that the, is, was that really Jesus? Where, where did you take me? It's not what I expected. But then he rinsed out his eyes and whoo. Wow, I didn't know colors were so colorful. I didn't know the world was such a beautiful place. I'd only heard I hadn't seen. Wow. It's amazing. But Naaman's got a problem here. He's angry. He stalked away. Have you ever seen somebody stalk? Ooh! That's Connie after she saw me eat the barbecue chips. Ooh! I don't even buy barbecue anymore. I don't want barbecue. Don't give me no barbecue. I'll be in trouble. I did sneak some of those new Sonic Tots. Have you had them with the barbecue on them? It's like barbecue chip flavor Tots. You can get them right next door. They are delicious. <laughs> I'm sorry. You weren't supposed to know that. But uh, I've had enough of them. I'm kind of tired of them anyway. <laughs> it's okay. Naaman was angry. He stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. Why would he think that? Well, I've got four and a half million dollars sitting in the saddlebags. I'm the, I'm the commander. I'm the commander of the army. Of Aram. I'm wearing my uniform today. 
I got all my epaulets and my, my, you know, all my medals and ribbons. I came in military circumstance and pomp. I presented myself to the king of Israel. I'm presenting myself on my best charger. I got this big white stallion I came on. I want him to be impressed by me. My king is impressed by me. He won't even come out. He gives me a post-it note. You, you can hear him say, do, Hey, do you even know who's out here? He said, I expected him to wave a hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord and uh, of his God and heal me. I expected it to come a certain way. What? What? Can you imagine all the people around the pool of Bethesda waiting for the angel to stir the water? Expecting that when the angel stirred the water, if I can just get shoved into the water first, if I can just reach over into the water first, if I can just get in the water first, I'll be healed. And then up in the cheap seats, here's a guy that's been there for years and years and years. Everybody knows the old guy. Jesus says, would you be healed? And he said, I, you know, I just can't get to the water. God is right here. And you're waiting for some angel to kick the water around. God is right here. Would you like me to help you? Well, you know, I just can't beat the other guys. There's some younger guys, and I just can't do it. I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, get up. Can you imagine God saying, just get up, would you? And he gets up. Wow. How many things do you think God's frustrated because we won't access what he's already given? You keep telling me how you need something, I put it in the bank. You say in Jesus' name and it'll be done. And you go, <laughs> all he gave me was this lousy ATM card. Put it in. Push the pin. And your answer will cut. You have not because you ask not. Just imagine. I need something. Well, tell God. You know, there are people that are angry at God. And God didn't do anything to them except put breath in their lungs and food on their table, roof over their head, let the sun rise and set on them every day of their life, allowed them to be born through a creative process that only God could do. It may be that it involves a man and a woman, but you didn't spark life. God did. That's why you're, you're really on dangerous ground when you throw back the gift that God's given. God help us. So what happens? He expected him, come wave your hand over my leprosy and uh, call on the name of the Lord your God and heal me. So he's not going to do it the way he expected. Then he says part two, plan B. Well, back in Damascus, you know, our rivers are so much cleaner than you guys. The Jordan is a muddy, messy, dirty river. I, 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 I don't want to go in that one. 
How about if I go back to Damascus, I'll dip in one of those seven times and I'll be okay. How about if I do that? He's trying to negotiate. How many times have you negotiated with God? Yes, God, I know you told me to do this, but would that be comparable? Would that be okay? How about if I do this instead of that? Because that's going to, you know, that's going to disrupt my life. And if I do this over here, it really isn't, you know, it's not as disruptive. I mean, if I do that, people are going to know I'm a Christian. If I tell people that I'm a Christian. You know, Pastor Matt talks about when he was first in his renewed faith with Christ, God told him to carry a Bible around. Carry a Bible around. You don't have to preach to people. They know what a Bible is. Most of our Bibles are pretty obvious. Leather bound. You know, you know it's not a Snoopy comic book. It's not generally a romance novel unless you think about the love God has for us. But, you know, it's not like it's a harlequin book. You know, it's nothing like that. When they see a Bible, they can tell. Gilded edges. Not many books anymore have gilded edges. What's God asking you to do and you're trying to negotiate something other than that? Quit negotiating with God. God's not asking a lot. Dip in the River Jordan seven times. Not six times, not four times, not three times. Do what God asked you to do. You know, faith involves believing that God has your best interest in mind and you're just willing to follow the book. Not because you understand. I don't understand everything in there. Why is it that blood is required? We could get all into the theology of it, but why is it that blood is what redeems me from my sins? Why is it that Tide gets the stink out of my clothes? I don't know. I don't have to know. I just put a little laundry detergent in there with the clothes, and they don't smell like I smelled before I put them in there, you know? Why do we question God more than we obey God? Why? Here's Naaman saying, I wanted something different. No, you want to be healed of leprosy. What what does it matter how it comes? If he told you to drink a bottle of ketchup, who cares? Do what God asks you to do. And quit resisting it. Quit, Quit telling God how it's going to be. Quit dictating to God how your salvation comes, how your healing comes, how your deliverance comes. Quit telling God. Yet we do it all the time. God, you can rule over this much of my life. God says, no, that's not acceptable. I want to rule over all of it. I want you to live in my kingdom. I don't want to live in yours. I want you to live in my kingdom because in my kingdom, there's freedom. In my kingdom, there's joy. In my kingdom, there's awesome things you have not yet seen, heard, or imagined. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Albana, the far, far better than any river of Israel? Why, why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. Listen to this. He's angry. He's in a rage. Listen to this. It's not what he expected, so he's mad. Has something not gone as you expected and you got mad? You know, it's like when you call customer service 
and they say like, how may I help you? Is this AT&T? Yes, AT&T, sure not. Are you in South Carolina? No, not South Carolina, no thank you. What? Your blood pressure starts to go up, you know. I need help with my phone. You need help with the internet service? No! You got anybody there that speaks English? I speak very well. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't be offended, please. That's for illustration only. You know, my wife gets so upset with me. One of my favorite costumes when we have our harvest festivals, dress up like a hillbilly, you know. Roll up one of your pants legs, wear a cowboy hat sideways, mash up the front of it. <laughs> you know, and, and she just slides under the bench, you know. It's like, ugh. I think we need to laugh more. We've got in this culture that's so easily offended. Quit it. Quit it. When I see snowflakes, I just want to make ice cream. You know, it's just, oh my God, that's what I want to do. So he's angry. He says he stalks. He he expresses his expectation. He says, "I thought, I thought, I thought it would be different. I thought they would roll out a red carpet. I thought he'd come out of here in his big robe. I thought I thought he'd have a big bottle of anointing oil and he'd wave his hand. I thought." He's in a rage. Have you ever been in a rage? I, I had to quit that church. I just got mad at the pastor. I wasn't wearing my steel-toed boots that Sunday, and he stepped right on me. He was right, but I got to go somewhere where they're not so right. Be sure your sins will find you out. What? I don't have any sins. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. But if you'll swab them in the blood of Jesus, they will be washed, clean. Though your sins are as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. What does God want to communicate? Don't be defensive about what God's cleansed you of. And don't be snotty about what God's cleansed the other ones about. Don't look down your nose because you're a little deeper in your walk. But stick out a hand and say, come with me, brother. We can do this together with Christ's help. So as we look at Naaman, he's angry. First of all, he got the news from a captured slave. He's got a king behind him, and he's carrying four and a half million dollars in gold and silver. Four. Where's Jesse James when you need him? I don't know. How do you, because he's a soldier and he's got a, just probably got a whole squad with him, you know, and they're all armed to the teeth. Nobody's going to take anything from him. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, would you have done, done it? So 
if the prophet said, go to Syria and defeat them. Go to Egypt and beat them, and you'll be healed. He would have saddled up. But he says, go dip in the river. Nah, I don't want to. I don't want to. What? Seven dips in the river. Seven dips. Just go dip in the river. What's God asking that's real simple, but you just won't do it? Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So, you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go wash and be cured. So a light bulb went on. Have you ever had a light bulb moment? We did when we came to salvation, didn't we? Ah, those Christians, a bunch of hypocrites. I don't even like them people. They just look down at me and all my misbehavior. They just, they're so snobby. And then the light goes on, and it's like, all I have to do is do a little limbo and roll under my pride and ask God to forgive me. And he will. He will. That light bulb goes, do you remember that moment? I was real young. I was eight years old. But do you remember that moment when you knew you're forgiven? Heaven has erased. They've expunged. They've removed the record. They didn't put it in storage. They got rid of it. Woof. Gone. Gone who I was. And I'm in a wonderful place, but not yet who I'm becoming. Though a man, righteous man falls seven times, he'll what? Lay and wallow in it? He'll rise again. Don't turn in the direction of your sin. Fall forward. You may not be perfect. I'm not perfect. If you thought I was perfect, really? Would this belt be going, help me, help me, somebody help me. Help me. Help me. Why didn't he choose suspenders? Help me, help me. I don't like suspenders, that's why. I tried. Every now and then they'd whip up and smack you. I don't like it. I don't like it. So Naaman went down to the river. Naaman went down. That light bulb finally came on for him. He finally saw that he's really not asking that much. It just struck him. I don't want to get in that muddy water. There's no laundromat nearby. It's probably going to make my clothes stink. I don't, I don't want to. You ever, you ever given up something good? Because I just don't want to. So he went down to the Jordan River. He dipped himself seven times. You, you can imagine he came up on the sixth time and went, whoosh. Nothing. The sixth time he probably came up and went, nothing. Where's my healing? You know, for six days, Israel in silence walked around Jericho. For six days, they walked around going, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. We're going to defeat a city by walking around it. Can't even say it out loud. Can't even get this guy next to me to agree with me because I'm supposed to be quiet. Be quiet. Well, they know better than to ask me to be quiet. Got to walk around this city seven times. 
But then on the seventh time, on the seventh day, woo! If you will just be persistent and consistent with God, God will hear and answer your prayers. God will bring your family in. God will heal your diseases. God will provide for your needs. But you have to be consistent. You have to be doing what God has asked you to do. You have to follow through. I think some people are like this. Yeah, I, I need the Lord to heal me. Wait a minute. That could affect my check. Eh, I didn't think he's going to heal me anyway. I'll just... Somebody gasped for air. What was that? Heard that swishing sound. <sighs> what are we saying? We trust the U.S. government more than heaven? I need Mr. Sam to provide for me. Jesus, his check's probably overdrawn with all the people he helps. He came up the seventh time. He dipped seven times, and then what happens? His skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. He was healed. He was healed. You know the greatest healing that ever happened to you? When you were resurrected from the dead, you were a dead man. You were a dead woman. And you came to Jesus and blah, 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 blah. He too, Jesus stood over you and talked to somebody next to you and said, can these bones live? And they said, well, Lord, you know. And he said, yeah. And we came alive in Christ, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I'm no longer who I was and not yet what I'm becoming. I am in Christ, a new creation. He was new. Smooth as a baby's butt. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him. Naaman said, now, I know that there is no God in the world except the God of Israel. Please accept the gift from your servant. Four and a half million dollars. He could have got that Bentley chariot he's been looking at down at the dealership. He could have had the Bentley with the floating bee, you know, the one that never, the bee never flips. It just rolls with you. Pulled it with some nice, beautiful horses. I love Elisha. I love Elisha because he knows who he is. He doesn't have to put on a show. He doesn't have to impress people. Because he has a relationship with God. If you have God's approval, whose approval do you need? Christians seeking approval. Do you like me? Do you like me? Are you liking me today? Am I good enough? Am, do you like me? Can I be part of your group? I want to be. Do you like me? Oh, quit. If God approves of you, you have approval you'll never get anywhere else. You'll never need anybody's approval. You are approved in heaven's courts, and you might as well stand up straight until people come to you and say, Do you approve of me? Well, Jesus approves of me, and he'll approve of you too. You just seem so together, so confident, so at peace, so joyful, so loving, so kind. What's your trip, man? The fruit of the Spirit has started busting out of me. 
I didn't do it. But look what God is doing. I love it when we get on that jag and the drums pound and look what the Lord has done. Boom, boom, boom. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. <laughs> oh, you ain't even going to stop. I know how you are. Now I know that there is no God in the world except Israel's God. Please accept this gift. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gift. And though Nahum urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Why? Why? Why not take the gift? Four and a half million. That'd build Elisha a pretty nice sanctuary back then, you know? He could have Elisha church. Elisha didn't want to steal any of God's thunder. Elisha wanted him to go back and say, look what God has done. He didn't want him to go back and say, look what I paid for. He wanted him to go back and say, look what the Lord has done. So that the king would see that a greater king had met with his admired commander. And he had done what no man could do. Even Israel's king ripped his robe and said, I can't fix this. But God can. You know why Elisha didn't appear? You know why Elisha didn't come out? Because one of the failures of Christianity is when we drink in the glory that belongs to God. That's not soda pop for your consumption. The glory belongs to him. You can let it flow. Oh, it's nice to be in the glory spout, but keep your tongue in your mouth. It's not yours. It's not. Look what I did. I laid hands on them people and they was slain in the spirit. No, God touched them. And their lives will forever be changed. I didn't do it. I don't do anything. God does everything. Any good thing I've ever done, he did it for me. So, Naaman said, all right, but please let me load two of my mules with earth from this place, and I'll take them back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other god except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me for one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of the god Rimon, to worship there and leans on my arm. May the Lord pardon me when I bow too. Go in peace, Elisha said. So Naaman started home again. We're not going to go any further. But we're going to say, what's the question? It's been up there in front of you. The devil and God are asking you the same question. What's the one question? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? What? I've wrestled with God for six weeks over saying that, and I stalled for an hour. Who do you think you are? God's saying it to me as well as anybody else. But who do you think you are? Well, 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 what are you putting your identity in? I'm a seller of sheds. That's what I do. I sell sheds. I rent U-Haul. I am a renter of U-Haul. 
I am a seller of carport. I selleth carporteth. Yea, verily, sheds carports in you hall. I am God's man on all. What? It doesn't matter what you've... You know, when you, when you become President of the United States, as long as you live, you'll always be treated as President of the United States. Everywhere you go, it'll be Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President. Would you like a coffee, Mr. President? Did you want a Big Mac, Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President? Secret Service will be buzzing around you, Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President. It's not about me. It's about him. Do you see Jesus when you encounter me? If my reflection's muddied up, then I got in the way of what God wants to do. Who do you think you are? I am a creation of God. He's known me since I was in my mother's womb. The Bible says so. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I was born and... After eight years on this earth, I was a sinner. After a life of sin, I nailed it and altered at eight years old and got saved. The Bible says all of sin comes from the glory of God. In recovery, I encountered many that were saved right at the end of life. After years of addiction and, and uh, other issues, you know, whatever it may have been. And one man told me, he said, oh, if I'd only found this 60 years ago. No. No, no. You found it. You have a relationship with God. You found it. It's kind of like that song we used to sing. I've got it. I've got it. Talk about the power of the Holy Ghost. Can't explain it. But I've got it. I got it. People were offended by that because it was the word it. Well, the power part is an it. The person part is a he. So we could sing, I've got him. I've got him. I've got him, I've got him. Talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit. I can't explain it, but I've got him. Yeah, I've got him. Well, I've got him. You know, stuff like that. So over the next six, five more weeks, you know, we're on the first one, but who do you think you are? I want you to sit in that question. Who do I think I am? Some people think they're a screw-up. They always mess up. You know what I mean? Uh, some people think of themselves as clumsy or ugly or stupid or fat, whatever. Some people identify by what they see in the mirror. Nahum certainly could have looked in the mirror and said, I'm a leper. I identify as a leper. He certainly could have looked in the mirror and said, I'm the commander of the armies of Aram. He certainly could have done that. He could have said, I'm the highly admired by the king fellow. He could have done that. I'm the victorious, conquering army guy. He could have done that. But after he encountered God, he fell on the dirt he drug back from Israel. He brought dirt back from Israel so that in Damascus, he could fall on dirt from Israel and say, I am yours. I'm not mine anymore. I belong to a God who could heal me. And take away my shame and my disgrace. Because you're an outcast. He may have been able to command the army. But there were places he couldn't go. Your own family would have shunned you. 
We'll leave some scraps for you over on the corner. You ain't living here anymore. You have leprosy. There are people that have been shunned by their family. There are people that have been looked down on for their sins. There are people that have been treated other than they should have been treated, sometimes even because of our faith. Sometimes family rejects people of faith because of their conviction. Sometimes we bring out weird things in our family and we think, why do we bring out weird stuff in our family? It's because the spirit in them don't like the spirit in you. But you have to know whose you are. So who do you think you are? I'm a child of God. I belong to Jesus. My name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. I've got a place in heaven. I don't care what it looks like. Uh, People say mansions, mansions, mansions. If it's a mansion, that's fine. If it's a tiny home on wheels, you know, on a tandem axle trailer, that's all right, too. I don't care. I just want to be where Jesus is. Don't you? We have no idea who Jesus is. Not really. If we had any idea who Jesus is, we'd be on our feet going, yeah! We think we know Jesus, but we only know in part, understand in part, and see in part. We just only know a little bit. We've only got a glimpse. This is a glimpse. You know that, how many sermons do you think we have of Jesus? How many sermons? How many are in here? 66 books, a whole library, four gospels, how many sermons? One! One! We got one? I'd like to have 66 books of three years of sermons. I want a bunch of sermons. But he gave us one. You know what he said? I'll give you a taste. But you couldn't handle all of me. Not yet. When you get to heaven, i got to give you a new body so you can stand it. It's going to be amazing. But you got to sit in the question for a little while because God has so many great things in this revival that are coming. And he wants you to examine yourself. He wants you to search in and be introspective. He wants you to say, God, who am I? Who do you think you are? At the end of six weeks, I want you to say, I know who I am. And whose I am. And I will never be strangled by anything anybody else thinks of me. Because I know what the creator of the heavens and the earth thinks of me. You might have to get rid of a bad habit. You might have to get rid of a bad attitude. You might have to quit talking down or negative or gossipy. You may have to take a new place in God that is freer than what you've experienced. You know, the problem is all the things we think we have to be or have to have are often the chains that shackle us to the ground when God wants us to be seated in heavenly places. God wants us to leave the ground. God wants us to be free. God wants us to be so different than the world. That's who I want to be. Who do you think you are? you got to put your teeth out like that, too. Who do you think you are? (laughs) Well, I just think I'm special in a godly way. God loves you so much. If you could even, if God could just pull the veil back and squeeze you, he'd squeeze the stuffing out of you right now because he loves you so much. And yet we feel so neglected by God. Why? He's on the cusp of heaven saying, you have not because you ask not. Ask me. 
ask me and I'll do it. He says, ask anything in my name. Anything. He didn't say, well, I'll weigh it over. No, he says, ask anything in my name and I will do it. What are you asking for? What do you want? What matters? Who are you? And who are you becoming? And what have you let go of and what have you hung on to that needs to be let go of? You know, there's things in our past. We need to have a garage sale and sell them off, get rid of them, throw them in the dumpster, trash them, let them haul them off. Go to the dump, 11 bucks, and you can get rid of the past. Just take it to the dump and throw it away. Quit hanging on to mementos. Quit thinking about the past. Quit letting the past shackle you. Let's be free. This wave will be easier to ride. You know, here's the thing. The Bible says in Hebrews, let us run this race. We've got to run this race. But we've got to get free of entanglement. When you see a track runner, are they wearing hiking boots, work boots? Work boots, huh? Big old Levi's. Flannel shirt, probably looks about like, like our worship leader usually does, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Bill got his guitar out there, I'm going to run the 100 meters, you know? It's not like that. They put on track shoes as light as they can. There was a football player used to buy a size too small, cut the toes out, so they could be as light as possible. If God asked you to lighten up on something, what would it be? We need to look in the mirror and say, God, show me who I am. I don't want to be who I think I am. I want to be who I really am. And I want that to line up with who you want me to be. Who do you think you are? God's asking. So is the devil. The devil's asking, who do you think you are? I know who you were. So? So what? God loves me. God loves you. What's the message tonight? God gave favor to a leprous commander in another country because he saw in his heart there was a man that would worship him. It was a rough road getting there. Why didn't he come out here? Why didn't he wave his hand over me? I want some anointing oil. I've watched them televangelists. I need some anointing oil. He said, go dip in the river. Oh, Roberts never told anybody, go do that. I watched them reruns on YouTube. That ain't right. Just go dip in the creek. It's muddy down there. I'll get my clothes dirty. But you'll get your soul cleansed. Go under the bar that God wants you to go under. And in the process, you'll come out like gold. God doesn't want you to receive gold from the enemy. He wants you to become like gold. He wants the refiner's fire to turn you into the valuable thing. God loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we sit in this question right now, Let's not be offended, but let's turn inward and look deep and say, God, where am I? Who am I? 
What do I think of myself and what do you think of me? And do they align? Do they align, God? Is my status what I think it is? Or is it what you say it is? Is my relationship built on feelings or facts? Am I following after you with a whole heart or a part heart? God, I don't want to be less than. I don't want the tail to wag the dog. I want to follow after you. I want to be the head and not the tail. I want to receive the promises of God in full. I don't want to live a partial Christian life. I don't want to live a halfway Christian walk. I want to be who you made me to be. That's not going to be less than. That's going to be more than I ever imagined. God, you're the one that gave me the talents I have. You're the one that gave me the skill I have. You're the one that gave me the brains I have. You're the one. You knew how tall I would be. You knew what shoe size I'd wear. You knew me from the beginning, God, and you created me to be unique. Am I the unique that you created me to be? And does that match who I think I am? God, let me match who you know I can be because that's far superior to anything I could invent. While your heads are bowed, is there anyone that would say today, Tim, I desperately need clarity on what God thinks about me. I don't want to be who I've been, but I don't know what I believe about who I am. And I want God's clarity. I want to understand who I am in Christ. I want to know joy and peace and love. I don't want to be filled with distraction and depression and discouragement. If you need God to reveal himself to you and let you know who you are in his sight, lift your hand and say, God, show me who I am in you. Help me know who I can be. Help me know my best self and help me accept what you think about me. Help me let go of my past. If that's you, just lift your hand where you're at. Lift your hand. You know what? God is so pleased with you. He loves you so much. God wants you to understand that He joys in this moment. He rejoices in you. He sings over you. He writes your name in the palm of His hand. He has a great plan for your life. Not to harm you, but to prosper you. To give you hope. To give you a future. So if you had your hand up, let's just receive what God has for us tonight. Heavenly Father, just repeat after me if you had your hand up. Matter of fact, all of us, let's just go right along with this. Heavenly Father, I receive all you have for me. Take the smears off the mirror and let me clearly see a reflection of who you see. Let me know God esteem. Let me know joy, peace, love, kindness. God break off every scheme of the devil so that I might live fully activated in God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless y'all. Thanks for tuning in. 
Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs.